the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. We can talk about Star Wars. Why would we talk about Star Wars? New Star Wars film? Hmm. Jurassic World, doing way better than expected. Do we lift the expectations for Star Wars, doing way better than expected in the future? Hmm, Maybe. We'll talk about that. We've got tons of stuff to talk about. Um, the Greek deal. She loves me. She loves me not. She loves me. She loves me not. Okay, she loves me not. Again, the pan-European stock market down two-tenths of a percent. Greek officials told reporters that the government's proposed measures had not been accepted by its international creditors. Hmm. It's really... Are you as bored with this as me? On Tuesday evening, Greece's government seemed confident of getting debt deals with lenders through Parliament. Again, borrowing money to pay people that they've borrowed money from. Hmm. <laughs> it does sound a little silly. No? 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Netflix is doing a 7-for-1 stock split. And that'll probably boost the price of the stock, even though it's incredibly silly to think that. Um, nothing fundamentally changes, but people still feel maybe, maybe, baby. Certainly um, negative disposition coming out of the whole Greece-Europe thing today. You're seeing, you know... Um, Germany, France, and Spain's major indices all down today. There's a Eurogroup meeting in Brussels. Uh, am I really saying this again? Are we really talking Eurogroup meeting in Brussels? It's summertime, ladies and gentlemen. Please go to the beach and turn this radio show off. For the, those of you sticking around, maybe there'll be an 11th hour kick-the-can-pass-the-buck solution. Which is kind of what's been happening for, what, 50, 60 years in the United States? We have a deficit problem. Oh, it's okay. We'll pass budget and uh, we'll deal with it in the future. Kick the can. Remember when you were a kid and uh, your mama jokes were going around? And all your mama jokes were just, they're the best because... If you want to insult someone, insult their mother, right? Uh, just cut to the chase, stab them in the heart, and say, I saw your mama kicking a can down the road today. What, was she moving? Kaboom! Kaboom is correct. Your mama's so ugly, like, no, I'm not even going to do it. But, uh, yeah, now people just pull out guns and shoot each other. 
So Netflix announcing a 7-for-1 stocks, but home builder Lennar reporting much better than expected second quarter earnings. I'm telling you, the home builders look good right now. They look like baby succulent lambs. Like, they look delicious. Like, look I want like to put them on. like a succulent baby lamb. Yes, they do look like succulent baby lambs. Um, in summertime, grilling season, are you kidding me? Delicious. The home builders, low interest rates, more household formations, job growth going in the right direction. Mm, they look good. They look good. They look very good. District uh, Court has granted FTC's request for a preliminary injunction to block Cisco's proposed merger with U.S. Foods. Oh, no. Foo fight! So Cisco delivers a lot of food, cafeteria-type food, uh, food around the world. I know what you're thinking, Cisco. You're thinking, did he just say Crisco, like that cooking lard? No, 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 no. Did he just say Cisco, the guy who did this thong song? The thong, 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 you see my thong? No, no, no. Yeah, as if you could do a better thong song, Simon. Good luck with that. So food fight going on. Um, will Cisco merge with U.S. Foods? Basically, they would they dominate already the food delivery world. They would dominate it even more going forward. Like, where do restaurants get their food? Companies like Cisco and U.S. Foods. Um, Greece is going to be the story of the day, I think. Ooh, really? Ooh, I can't take it anymore. I'm gone to sleep. IKEA is raising its minimum wage for U.S. workers for a second year in the row. Ooh, juicy. Now that just woke me up. Um, actually not. I don't know anyone who works at IKEA, but now the federal current federal minimum wage is kind of like a benchmark, and companies that go above it are beloved. The IKEA's average minimum hourly wage will increase to 11.87, which is four bucks and 62 cents above the federal current minimum wage. It's a buck 11 increase, or 10 percent from this year's average minimum pay. So 10,500 U.S. store workers are going to see a, a raise from $14.19 an hour to $15.45. Yay! We've got a raise. Um, the IKEA meatballs are disgusting. The fact that people like IKEA meatballs disgusts me. But with that said... I'll go with it. I'll go with it. You know, I got it. Uh, have you seen the whole Kentucky Fried Chicken fried a rat controversy? It wasn't really a rat. It was a piece of chicken, but it looked like a rat. But that also begs the question, like, okay, you're upset if it's a rat, but aren't you even more upset if it's a chicken that looks like a rat? Um, Walmart. Walmart. You know how they're uh, such a good company for raising the minimum wages for their employees. How are they going to do it? Are they going to put money, pull money out of a hat magically? Are they going to have a money tree that they're able to pick money off of and pay employees with? Are they going to get into laundry and drug money? No, no, no. All of those are no. Walmart's going to begin charging fees to almost all vendors for stocking their items in new stores and for warehousing inventory basically raising pressure on suppliers as the world's largest retailer battles higher costs from wage hikes. Wow. Walmart and Home Depot are so big at what they do, they basically get a screw with vendors. Hmm. So they're going to make money basically by storing other companies' product that they're going to sell for them. It's good work if you can get it, right? 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. Don't be shy. Pick up the phone today. Let's have some sort of interaction. Drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. I know it's the summertime, and I'd probably be out on a boat if I weren't stuck in this radio station talking to you. <laughs> Am I bitter? No, not at all. Oh, 
people at Ikea make more money per hour than I do here. Thank goodness I created my wealth in my 20s. Because otherwise I'd be like forced to work in Ikea right now. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Sonic, a giant drive-in restaurant chain, delivered. Keep in mind, it's a drive-in restaurant chain, but they delivered right on target when it came to earnings. But their shares were down big yesterday. Company posted adjusted quarterly profit, kind of in line with what was expected. Um, Revenues beat expectations slightly. What's the problem? Why did the stock sell down? Company's revenue growth from store open last year was just 6%, which was a big drop from the 11% that they had last quarter. But even more importantly, the company is now saying to investors, we plan to open up 27 locations this current year. That's down 38% from previous guidance. So listen to those conference calls gives you sometimes the insight that you need, even if it's negative. Sonic shares are trading at 35 times earnings. Um, that's a hefty price for a company only growing at 16% or less. With that said, as an investor, you need to be you know, aware of how valued your company is. Is it being valued for growth? Is it being valued for cash flow? Is it being valued for earnings? All of them, of course but you need to kind of have some ideas in your head. What does this mean? And what could you know derail me? Let's bring in CFP, Chad Burton. Joining me now, CFP, Chad Burton, talking all things financial. Mr. Burton, this is a topic that I kind of want to bring up. It's kind of near and dear to me. My mom, she's now in that 80 plus category and she's losing her mind. She thought someone came into her house and stole her dryer and it was the same dryer that was there. And you can't talk to her. Like, she's all batty. Uh, so I've, that's my mom. Um, she pays some people like $200 to shovel snow. $200 to shovel snow. She's batty. Let's talk a little bit about financial planning and, like, you know, some of these issues that come up as you get older. Because right. you have to put your trust in someone. She's got her trust in, you know, her sons, which she's lucky, you know. But she still does buy some crap on QVC that drives us crazy. Oh, man. No, but my grandmother, who was in a memory care facility before she passed, had four different subscriptions to Reader's Digest, two of the normal print and two of the extra large print version that they also will give to seniors that have bad eyes. What is Uh, Reader's Digest all about? Yeah, Have you ever read the short stories in Reader's Digest? I haven't. I remember reading those as a kid all the time. Because my grandparents always had to digest. I always saw them around the house, and I was like, I don't want to read that. Like, I'd look at it. I think the short stories are really good. Okay. You would like it. Okay. Author. Senior scams and everything. Yeah. How do we fight it? Um, well, it's, you know, part of the communication of even having a long-term care plan, especially now that long-term care insurance is so expensive and most yeah. people that are over 70 can't get it anyway, um, is having that family discussion is going to be responsible for it. Yeah. And doing a family identity theft protection service is very important, too. Okay, why so is that? Part of, well, because it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Um I had an insurance agent mail me a document, email me a document regarding a client situation. Yeah. That document had the social security number of both my clients and the social security numbers of their children on the document by email, no encryption. I don't know what email server this guy uses. I don't know if they have you know, firewalls and things like that. And I chewed him out. I said, don't ever email these documents again. Yeah. You chewed um, me out about passwords. Yeah. 
Chad and, uses crazy passwords. It's always like ampersand dash two <laughs> underscore capital four. And I was like, I didn't even know there was a capital four for numbers, but there is. Yeah, we have passwords and then the auth anvil where you you know have to get get your phone out and get a an eight digit code that yeah. changes every time you sign in. Um, our wealth management site does the same thing. So it, I think security is important, but it's it's still going to happen. I think um, one of the things that you kind of said there was you're going to have to work with a family member or someone trusted. Mm-hmm. But if you're a family member and you're helping mom with her bills and long-term care, you need to read those contracts. You need to learn, like, because uh, that's, like, my mom couldn't handle her own long-term care at this point. Right. Uh, and she'd get ripped. She'd, you know, the hospital's not going to read it for her, and the hospital's going to charge her, then, you know. She's, in, she's getting a pain if she doesn't do it right. The, and there's countless stories, and there are medical bill consultants that are out there too, which which might be helpful for people that are dealing with big health issues of mom or dad that had a health crisis. But you know, part of doing a family plan is also realizing that the person that's going to spend the time helping mom with all those situations, yeah, a lot of times that person might be in a separate state that is looking out saying, oh well, you know, why are they getting more? The person that helps mom or dad, you know, it's okay to compensate them extra, give yeah. them a little bit more because they were there for them. They took the time out of their job or whatever. It's a lot of work. It's very stressful. Now that you mentioned it, I know two people whose um, siblings hate each other mm-hmm. because he lives right next to mom and doesn't go visit her, and I take care of her, and he wants more. Yeah. Um, he wants the house because he thinks he's entitled to it. And, I, I've seen, and there, there's another one where – it's just it's just downright nasty, and there's legal issues between siblings about who's taking care of mom and how it's being done, and why are the finances disappearing? Right. How can people do that, Chad? I don't know, but it, you know, if mom and dad are smart enough to compensate a, a person for that, it needs to be clearly will, written in the trust. Yeah. Um, it's almost better that rather than cutting somebody out of a will, is to leave them five thousand dollars, right? And so you get that, and this is all you're getting, and be very clear on that than have any ambiguity of, oh, mom was just losing it when she did the trust, so she right. was going to put me in the trust, but she forgot I was existent, and this is then problem. they sue. So if you have a financial plan, you should discuss the financial plan with your children long before you die. My dad died without telling us how much insurance he had. Policy had recently lapsed. Died without telling us how much credit card debt he had. He had about 60000 mm-hmm. Um So while my mom was mourning him, I was going through and finding out my dad was a financial disaster. I um, mean, that's kind of tragic because I should have been mourning him, too. And we should have a financial planner like Chad Burton say, guys, sorry about your dad. Everything's covered. We didn't have that. So anyway, that's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Gmail is going to do the unse- undo send. Um, so they're rolling out a popular feature they've been testing for a while. That's a story. Uh, it's been a while since email has kind of felt new. Gmail was rolling out a popular feature that it's been testing for a while, the undo send. The feature delays sending an email for 5 to 30 seconds in case you have second thoughts. It's been in beta since 2009. I don't know if that's enough for a press release. <laughs> Me? Is it? Certainly we've all sent an email where we're like, oh, I forgot to put my phone number. Or, oh, uh, and then you follow up with an email, sorry, I forgot to pull my phone number. But would you put a press release out about that? Like, does anyone really care? More Americans are renting and paying more as homeownership falls. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Find me online at robblack.com, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show, Facebook group page, Cron4 Rob Black. That's Cron4 Rob Black. Take a break here. Be right back.
I'm not black talking money investing anymore. I've got a friend in the Bay Area who has a sweetheart deal on rent, and that's about to change. She's basically subletting from a sublet. <laughs> and uh, rent will eat your income. More so, more Americans are struggling to pay the rent. As the portion of Americans renting rather than owning their homes has grown in recent years, so has basically the number for whom the monthly rent check has become a burden. Almost half of all renters are spending more than 30% of their income on housing. Keep in mind, the math just, it starts to grade on you. You know, if you're in the 25% federal tax bracket and the state's 10%, 35% of your income gone, and then your Social Security, you know, now you're talking about 40% gone. Sales tax, 50% of your income gone. Before you even spent money, before you even acquired anything that you're going to consume. Um, so 30% of your income now kicks you up to about 80% of your income, and all you have so far is a place to live. Throw in cable television, throw in you know electricity, it gets pricey. In 2013, almost half of all renters were spending more than 30% of their income on housing. Rising rents aren't just impacting low-income consumers. One in five renters earning forty-five to seventy-five thousand dollars is paying at least a third of their income in rent. The increase in rental rates represents, you know, the byproduct of the falling uh, percentage of people owning homes. The home own, the home ownership rate. It's now sixty-three point seven percent. That's the lowest since nineteen eighty-nine. Now that to me says, woo! This number could go the other way. Home ownership has fallen in the United States the past eight years and appears poised to continue to its decline. That puts the 2010s on pace to be the strongest decade for rental growth in history. Um, good to be a landlord, right? Rents rose 3.2% last year, twice the rate of overall inflation, spurring builders to begin construction on more multifamily units than in any year since. It's one of the big stories of the day. There's no doubt about that. Um, Lennar, the home builder, reported a quarterly profit uh, that beat expectations. New orders jumped 18% year over year. Again, housing. It's pretty good right now. McCormick, big spice company, they struck a deal to buy One World Foods, which makes Stubbs barbecue sauces for $100 million. Very sugary barbecue sauces, I might add. Whole Foods is reportedly being investigated by New York City officials for allegedly overcharging customers routinely. Uh-oh. Syngenta, the pesticide maker, has rejected takeover offers from Monsanto multiple times. But Monsanto's CEO says that he considers this a long game and still wants to get a deal done. Ford's testing a new car sharing program, allowing owners of Ford Finance vehicles to rent their cars to pre-screen clients. Goldman upgraded Ford to buy from neutral, while downgraded General Motors to neutral from buy. Goldman said Ford will enjoy earnings momentum from its new F-150 line, while it considers GM more vulnerable to a weakening in China. Let's bring in real estate expert, Tony Mendez. Joining me now, Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. He's done a refi for me, a refi or two, and an original mortgage or two for me. So he's my go-to guy when it comes to lending. Let's talk a little portfolio lending, Mr. Mendez. What's the word portfolio lending mean? Like, what, what's the concept here? A portfolio lender is basically a lender that's going to lend you a mortgage. Okay. Lend you money, and they're going to keep it on their books. They're probably not going to sell it to Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac. Okay. But what it also allows them to do is kind of go out of the box uh, and give you different kind of guidelines um, that Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac won't allow. The downside is is that they're limited on the products that that they offer you. They're going to be a little bit more risky, like usually an arm, and they sometimes can have prepayment penalties on it. But it, 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 it I think portfolio lenders have a great place in the market. They're picking up the slack that Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac are, um, that, that they can't handle. Um, and it's a necessity. And I think it is leading towards the privatization of mortgages. And I think that it's kind of, you know, they're feeling it out. And I think there are, are ways for lenders to make money this way and help the society in the same 
uh, fashion. Uh, but there's so many different kinds of portfolio products and and guidelines that are different than Fannie Mae Freddie Mac. They do higher uh, calculations on asset depletions, condos that aren't warrantable, foreign nationals, pledged assets. Pledged assets are really interesting. You can actually have assets in your bank, move them to the bank that you're going to get the money from, and they count that towards your down payment, but you don't actually have to spend the money. Okay. It's called pledged assets. So you can put 20% down, but only put really 10% down and put the 10% in their bank. Um, you do self-employed for less than two years, high debt ratios, uh, recently listed properties. I mean, there's a long, long list uh, of reasons why portfolio lenders work in the industry right now. Now, portfolio lending, uh, one of the things that you brought up is that they kind of pick up slack that Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac can't cover. In the Bay Area, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac typically can't cover necessarily um, the jumbo homes. I mean, there's some really expensive homes here that Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac just say, you know what, that's not our cup of tea. Good right. Luck. A jumbo loan is essentially a, a portfolio loan. Okay. It, it's an investor that's that has set their guidelines typically close to what Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac um, is doing. And, and we're not too far off of what Fannie and Freddie are doing okay. when we're in portfolio or jumbo. Um, we're just looking at different ways to loan people the money at these different for these different scenarios. And that's where they really pick up the slack. Now, what else do we need to know about portfolio lending? And do we even need to know, or are you just magically going to get it's me a It's different than private money. Okay. Um, private money is where you basically don't even show credit. You don't show income. You don't show – well, you do show assets, but you show more of a story, um, and it's more equity-based than it is um, than it is credit-based. But portfolio lending is still going to follow the same kind of guidelines where you need a good credit score. You need to have income. You still have to qualify under the ratios uh, that they offer. But you, you, when going into a type of loan like this, you have to understand that you're, you're, they're, they're putting you in a cycle. They're, okay. they're putting you in a cycle just like a bad credit kind of cycle where you're buying a car and you go back and you buy another car and, you, and you're always at the higher interest rate. You're just at a different kind of program. And some of the products that they offer are actually lower rates than you can get through Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, but, again, they're riskier. So it's not for everybody. It's interesting because I had a conversation recently at one of my events where someone's like, I want to buy a rental property for retirement. I'm like, okay, what I need to explain to you is that that's riskier than buying a real estate investment trust. I would rather you look at REIT that's publicly traded, like an Avalon Bay, and then you're buying rental properties in San Francisco. Right. And Free and clear. A hundred shares is a hundred shares. A lot of investors, now that person may buy one and eventually end up with 10. Um, there's some rules that say you, you can't buy more than 10 properties on your credit, but some portfolio lenders allow that. So it is a tool that investors use as well. It's interesting to note because uh, I had to convince the guy that having a Retirement property is a risk in mm -hmm. retirement if you lose the, uh, the tenant, if rates go up in the next 10 years, which I'm guessing mortgage rates go up in the next 10 years, then the, value, right, then the valuation of what someone's going to be able to afford is probably less because we're more how much can we afford centric than we are interest rate centric. Um, and the guy just looked at me with like glass in his eyes. It was kind of sad that... He just wanted me to agree That's with him. because most of what he's hearing is that real estate's the end to your real estate problem or your real retirement problems. It's yeah. the best way and fastest way to get to retirement and make money. You can find Tony Mendez, thank you, at BayAreaLoanSource.com. It's BayAreaLoanSource.com. Like I said, he's done numerous loans for me. He gets the job done. It's pretty thorough. It's a process. So know that going in that you want to borrow money these days or refinance money, it's going to cost you some time and effort. So you can find him at BayAreaLoanSource.com. Um, Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Don't be shy. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, I don't know. I think I'll leave it at that. Um, a couple other big stories out there. Box struck a partnership with IBM to integrate existing new cloud-based products and services and develop new ones. Apple's new music service has signed deals with independent labels. CME Group has delayed the final closing of its open outcry futures pits in New York and Chicago by four days. Uh, further review by the U.S. Commodity Futures Trading Commission could ultimately delay it for another 90 days. Bye, bye, bye. Sell, sell, sell. So those guys are going away. 
Alibaba is the latest retailer to remove Confederate-flagged-themed items from its website. Separately, the company's film unit is partnering with Paramount Pictures on the next installment of the Mission Impossible franchise. Um, Hoi, Alibaba, aren't they a Chinese retailer? Why are they getting into movies? Oh, yeah, that's what Amazon and others do, too. Um, that stock has been a little underwhelming, to be quite honest with you. A lot of people thought they were going to come out of the gate and just dominate. Jeffries, a research company, has upgraded both Electronic Arts and Take-Two Interactive from hold to buy, basically saying um, the software companies are in a sweet spot. When you come out with new hardware, like the PlayStation 4, the Xbox One, programmers are like, what's this new hardware? I don't know what that code means. How do I integrate this? How do I get the best sunshine effect without slowing down the game? And you start to figure it out right about now, because it's been a few years. Um, and that's when the hardware makers start cutting the prices as well. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. I know what you're trying to say, baby. You're trying to say, oh, yeah, it's business time. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, stocks, and more. Joining me now, Dr. Jeff Rosen, briefing.com, chief market economist, not market, chief economist. Uh, blending titles there on you. It's about to make you the market strategist economist. Uh, how you doing, Mr. Rosen? Oh, pretty good of yourself. I'm doing well. Um, U.S. first quarter slowdown less severe than estimated. The economic slowdown earlier this year was less severe than previously estimated. Do you look back at revisions of GDP and put weight on them? Not too much. What I care more okay. is how the trends are looking. And, you know, the Q1 data out of all the reports is probably the least useful in terms of the third estimate because when the Q2 data is released next month, you're going to get the annual revisions, which mean that the third estimate will be revised a fourth time. <laughs> so, I mean, it tells us what we know now, but, you know, in three weeks we're going to have even more inclusive information. So okay. not only is data, you know, back, you know, looking back on history, but it's also not the most accurate of data. Any data out today or recent that you find positive? Anything you're looking at? Not, it doesn't have to be positive. Anything that has come out recently that's caught your eye? Yeah, the, the home sales numbers yesterday were very impressive. Uh, new home sales reached a, a seven-year high which was nice. Uh, my understanding or my forecast in the beginning of the year for home sales is not this optimistic, so it's nice to see that things are, are trending in a, uh, in a much more positive direction than I anticipated. The question now is, is this a stable move or is this an interest rate move? You know, we've seen the 10-year move up uh, quite a bit over the last you know, month or so, and now you have talk of a rate increase as early as September. You know, the market's still pricing it out for a December rate hike, but most economists that we've talked to think September is a more likely scenario. And if that's the case, you should expect to see the 10-year rise even further than what we have right now, which will drive up mortgage rates. So the question is, you know, are these buyers coming in, are they buyers that would have been here all along, or are these buyers that would have normally bought, you know, let's say two, three months down the line, but, you know, realize that, hey, if we don't get in now, we're going to end up with a, uh, a mortgage rate that may or not, may not be affordable, or I need to buy, you know, I can get a, afford a bigger house today than I could, you know, three months from now. And if that's the case, you, know, you may see a slowdown in sales, you know, come September when the rate hike, uh, when, when, you know, when the, the rate hike first appears to be, uh, you know, to come along. 
So the question you know, we really want to look at is, is the stability of these numbers. So the housing, doing financial media, a lot of the stories that I'm seeing is it's the millennials now are starting to jump in and help out. And you hear that story and you're like, okay, they're going to start a family. They're going to settle down. They're managing their student debt. Um, do you think the millennials are helping the economy at this point in time? Are they becoming, because the stories in the last year have t- turned from they're lazy, no good, self-righteous brats to now they're starting to save in their 401k. Now they're starting to buy homes. Are the millennials starting to become a factor, do you think? You know, I think every new, quote, generation starts off as, you know, a brat to the older generation. <laughs> okay. you, know, you would have said the same thing about Generation X and, and everything else. You know, it's the conservative ideology that you get when you get older that, uh, you know, in the, the rose-colored glasses of looking at your own youth, thinking that you did more than, than what you were, uh, you know, what the current generation is doing. Realistically, things are, are doing relatively the same. The question is, you know, are the, the spending habits of what they're buying, is that going to be the same? You know, are they buying the same type of goods that, you know, my parents bought or, you know, that my children will be buying. And it's that frustration because it's they're not buying the same thing. You know, they're spending more money on on items that, you know, weren't around, you know, apps and, and music that you know, the way the systems are doing today just isn't the same. So if you're an old school or you know, an, a large company that's been in the past, you know, you, people aren't buying your your stuff anymore because you're not selling something that they want to buy. So that's the frustration. The frustration isn't necessarily that they're not buying things. It's that they're not buying what people expected them to buy. Ford just came out and said, you know, we've been studying what consumers want for last months, and one of the things they're going to try is a pilot program where I can buy a car, and to offset my cost, I could rent it to you on the weekends. And it's very millennial. Now, I'm not a millennial. I'm not going that direction. But yeah, I would love a $600 BMW month payment if I can get you to cover 200 to $400 of it. Um, I like the idea. Does that factor into you as an economist that like car sales aren't going to be traditional old car sales going forward if ideas like Ford, what they're pushing forward, actually go into place? I mean, the idea is would that person be buying a car in the first place? You know, if they if if they were not buy a car because, let's say, they live in the city and they have the available mass transit, so they're not really needing a car, but for the right opportune price, they're willing to pay for it. So in that case, there is no loss. You know, the, the fact is that the $200 that they'd be spending on mass transit, they're spending on, you know, the weekend usage of your car. Not really. I mean, where there'll be changes is if you can have a perfect substitute where, you go to work, you know, nine to five, and someone goes to work, uh, you know, five to three in the morning, let's say, and you can buy the car and have it while you're, you know, for your job, and then someone can take it over from you. And instead of having two cars now, you only need one because two people are, are sharing the car as perfect substitutes. But, um, you know, I don't know much about Ford's plan. I don't know how it will work and whatnot, but. You know, that would be the economic implication. Just renting it for a weekend, whatnot, isn't much different than, you know, zip cars or whatnot. Okay. What else is in out in the world of the economy? Are you seeing any problems with inflation starting to crop up? No, not at all. I mean, that's I think okay. the big frustrating point that uh, the Fed is having is that, you know, they've been expecting inflation as they expect, uh, you know, the labor market to be tighter. You know, we're seeing an unemployment rate of five and a half percent. You know, you have job openings that are at you know all-time highs now. We have to put that in quotes because, you know, it's only been around the, the data set's only been around since uh, I want to say 2002. But um, you know, you would seem to think that if there's all these job openings, that businesses would be wanting to fill these jobs. And if they can't fill these jobs because of, you know, some underlying factor, you know, normally that means. You have to raise wages in order to find the person that could fit your, you know, what, what you're looking for. And so far, we're not seeing it. You know, you have core inflation growth in the CPI at uh, 0.1% in the last month. Year over year, it's, I think, 1.7 or 1.8. The Fed's CPI implied target, because CPI runs about a half percentage point below 
their uh, PC metric is two and a half percent. So you're almost, you know, a full point below what the uh, Fed is hoping to have as their target level. And we're not seeing pressure. You know, if you look at the price lines on the on the producer side, you know, it, it's barely anything. I mean, core producer prices are, are flat. And if you look at down the pipeline, if you go to the intermediate goods and in the, the crude good areas, I mean, it's just as bad. So there's no pressure to, to see inflation. And right now, wages aren't moving as fast as that we expected. So the inflation aspect of economic growth is just not there. When we look back with the Federal Reserve and the last six or seven years, will we look at them and say they created a stock market bubble, a housing bubble, or did they get us through a tough economic time where we were patient and we created enough jobs that supported the stock market as well as the real estate market? You know, I think the Fed has done everything that it can do. And what it can do is not much once you're up against the zero bound. You know, realistically, quantitative easing was never going to be the you know magic bullet to get everything back together and when you get down to this point you know and the IMF has shown this through research you know the, what you need is a fiscal stimulus plan and we didn't get it you know we got the opposite we got austerity and the problem with that is that you know with a multiplier that's above one meaning that when you every dollar that you add adds more than one dollar to uh, economic growth and that happens when you're at the zero bound and this is what the IMF has found you know, that's the way of, of producing economic gains. That's the way of getting out of a recession when the monetary policy has no practical impact. And we didn't get that. So the Fed did it all it can. And I think that if anybody's going to look back in history, you know, 50 years from now, I think they're going to blame the government for not providing the spark that needed to be provided. Anything else that you're working on? I'm speaking with Dr. Jeff Rose and Chief Briefing.com. Fantastic insights. Um, I start my day with the page one, but I do get to your your um, articles as well. Anything that you're working on that you can maybe leak a little bit right now? Yeah, I mean, just looking at uh, consumption trends, trying to see what's going on. I, what I really want to know is, you know, what I alluded to in the beginning of, of our talk, uh, you know, how does a change in interest rate, what, what sectors is that going to impact in terms of consumption? We know that it's going to pull spending forward if, when people realize that, you know, it's going to cost more in the future. So the question is, which durable type goods are we going to see? Are we going to see a pickup in auto sales? We've had auto sales above 17 million, you know, which is pretty fantastic. You know, can it get even higher than that? You know, is it going to be a lasting increase in home sales? Are we finally going to see this to be the, the instigator? You know, that's the interesting part. Thanks very much. It's Dr. Jeff Rosen with Briefing.com, Chief Economist, his articles are so easy to digest, and if you fear economists, you shouldn't, because you kind of need to have that feel of how the economy is going if you're going to be involved in your 401k with confidence, or if you're going to invest for the long term. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Find me online at robblack.com. Find him online at briefing.com. Black talking all things financial money investing and more. Ford. Remember when you were a kid, you'd pass notes, which was the birth of instant messaging. You'd make little paper footballs and you'd flick them across the you know desk from desk to desk while the teacher wasn't looking. That was instant messaging before there was instant messaging. And you'd crack little jokes like Ford, found on road, dead. Um you had a little plays on words. It was cute. When you were a child, it was instant messaging another kid across the room trying to fit in and be have a sense of humor. Ford is trying to stay relevant right now. And uh, they've been around a long time. Uh, 
if you go through the city, any big city, and again, I know that we have listeners all around the world on the show, and we've got listeners all around the United States, and I know I make it very Bay Area-centric at times, and I probably shouldn't, but it's what I see. Um, public transportation in San Francisco has changed a lot in the 15 years that I've been here. I'm not going to say it went from a car and bus kind of city to, holy mackerel, there's a lot of scooters. Holy shnikes, I'm seeing, like, what, I used to see, like, one person on a bike going to work. Now you'll see, like, 50 in a pack together going to work. So Ford has to fight this because they used to make money on selling cars, right? They still make money selling cars. Ford's trying to reinvent itself as a mobility company and trying to address the trend in urban areas of cities growing and becoming more congested. People value access more than they value ownership. We want access to a vehicle. We don't need to own it. Um, so we need to understand customers' concerns if you're going to be successful at businesses, right? In researching ways for people to share the road and forms of transportation individual vehicles, Ford hopes to uncover business opportunities along the way. Companies pivoting from just products to offering more services to make life and mobility easier. They're testing, satisfying demand and making money at it. Um, I like what I see. It's tough because I'm going to see some dead bikers because I know people in cars are going to text and drive, right? Um, my city's talking about putting an overpass over the interstate for bikers and walkers. And I'm like, good, we've got to keep figuring out ways to help people through this situation. Um, so Ford's figured out they're working on autonomous cars. They have a division in San Francisco in the Bay Area. Ford's also piloting some car sharing programs. I like the idea of our cars getting smarter because your great-grandfather, you know, or your grandfather, I don't know how old you are, a lot of the technology hasn't changed. It's just become stronger and meaner and tougher in cars. So if my car could tell me, ah, 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 don't text and drive, I'm for it. If it can stop me from hitting a biker that jumps out in front of me, I'm for it. If it can keep me in my same lane, I'm for it. And through the years, it's going to get better and better and better. So the peer-to-peer -peer car sharing pilot program that Ford's testing is going to be offered to customers in Berkeley, Oakland, and San Francisco, as well as in Portland, Chicago, and Washington. The program will make Ford owners more loyal customers and expose those who don't want to own a car at all. So Ford's partnered with Get Around, a company called Get Around, and a company called Easy Car. The idea is a customer can rent a car that was financed through Ford Credit to pre-screen clients. Um, 30 plus percent of millennials are more interested in renting out their belongings. So they may say, I'll buy a car, sure, but I also want to rent it out because I don't use it on weekends. Or I don't use it on weekdays. I take the bus. So do the math on that. And again, you're seeing it with people renting out their homes, Airbnb. You're seeing it more and more um, with the concept of sharing. So a third of millennials are interested in renting out their belongings to supplement their income. And they say after, you know, lending a book, hey, I just read this great book. You want to read it? Sure. Um, a car is a pretty big item that they're most open to sharing. Um, and people are open to the idea. So 50% of the millennial and Generation Z consumers say they would share a car for the cost savings. 40% say it's a good way to try a new product. I like the idea. ABC News was a big winner. Uh, with the whole NBC nightly news issue. In a world of I couldn't care less about Brian Williams, there's a business angle, NBC Universal, uh, owned by Comcast. Um, 
Disney kind of. Do you see the Disney Universal Comcast fight here? Uh, it's there. Maybe I'm making it up. Maybe I'm pushing a little bit. Each American trashes about $640 worth of food a year. You want to help with a water crisis? Eat the food that you buy. Um, it piles up in landfills. Uh, people are looking at the chemical makeup of their food. They're buying more organic and more local. And you end up throwing a lot of that away because it doesn't you know, conserve as well. Um, 79% and uh, what is that? So the wasted money is just crazy. Finish what's on your plate. Finish what's in the fridge. Cover it up because oxygen or air is the enemy. It causes food to rot faster. You'll save a lot of money. Find me online at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.